I'm Jill Miller. And I'm Mary Kastner. Have those charismaniacs left you damaged and scarred? On behalf of Holy Spirit, we hope to offer some damage control. He wants a relationship with you. And we're here to support you along the way, whether it's in ministry or in your day-to-day life. Welcome to our fourth episode. Oh my goodness, yeah, this is this is episode four. So exciting. I don't know. How are you doing, Jill? How, how are things in New Zealand? I saw something about you actually being able to go to a coffee shop for the first oh time. Oh my goodness. Y'all, that is... Okay, I have two glory stories. <laughs> One glory story. We came out of level four lockdown. Level four lockdown in New Zealand has been like grocery stores and pharmacies are open and that is it. Wow. We cannot like leave the house without a place to go. So everything was closed down. You guys have it easy because you can go still get takeout. We could not. Wow. This Tuesday, we came out of level four and now we're in level three. Okay. So my favorite coffee shop has obviously been closed. And now I haven't had a coffee all of quarantine. So for five weeks, I have not had a coffee because I've been fasting in preparation. Fasting for the bridegroom to come. Wait, wait, wait. hold up. You haven't had coffee at all? Like, even at your home? Not at all. Not at all. Why? Because, Mary, there is better things for me than homemade coffee. No, there are not better things than homemade coffee. Yes, there are. Okay, so anyways, this is is not open for... Stop ruining my glory story. (laughs) Whatever. Continue. Okay, so... I haven't had coffee. I've been fasting, waiting for this day, and it finally came on Tuesday. So I woke up at 6.15 on Tuesday morning, and I was at the coffee shop at 7 a.m., the second person in line to get coffee. (laughs) Oh, my my goodness. It was glorious. It was amazing. It tastes wonderful. I had a coffee this morning. In fact, I'm holding one in my hand right now. Oh, glory. Life is... Life is wonderful. Praise him. Um, my second, my second glory story because it's a little bit more serious, um, is that Rob's like work visa partner visa came through, which was incredible Hooray! and so relieving. Anyways, what is your glory story? My glory story is let's see. Oh, actually, this is really cool. There's a couple that I'm friends with who they, the the wife has been pregnant throughout COVID and she delivered recently, which is crazy. They weren't sure if they were going to be able to even like, she wasn't sure if her husband was even going to be able to be in the delivery room with her for just because of COVID-19 and the craziness with the hospitals. And um, he was actually mm-hmm. able to be in the delivery room with them. That's and, incredible. But they were also so the delivery took forty hours, and Whoa. and the husband couldn't leave the room for those full forty hours. Oh, so I mean, it was it was rough, but like it, it's I don't know. They my friend her name's Daniela, and she is so bougie. So Daniela, if you're listening to this, I'm just acknowledging that you're so bougie. And she, she brought with her, she was prepared. She brought with her to the hospital, like all these, like she brought like flowers and this little, um, had like a, like a beautiful, like engraved kind of label in calligraphy of like the baby's name, Viviana. And she took like these gorgeous photos of her baby. That is a bougie name. Yeah. Oh yeah. Super bougie. And, uh, this, this girl is just the cutest thing in the entire world, but I knew that they they were kind of just quarantined and then also co- going through like baby boot camp and not sleeping and not really being able to leave the house. So I cooked some food for them and uh, brought that to their house. So that was just a joy. That's that in a nutshell. It was a long lead up, but that was my glory story is that it was just so nice to get out and to do something for someone else, <laughs> you know, um, which they super appreciated because, I mean, it's food. And they're, they're new parents, so I'm sure they're exhausted. Do I have to have a baby and go through labor for 40 hours for you to cook me something? I Mary? mean, you just need to move to Arizona first, Jill. We've been through this. No. We know that Jesus wants you here. 
We we both know I, it. Even though you I won't admit it. <laughs> you saying that Jesus wants me to move there, Mary, I think that you need to take that to discernment a little bit more. I Maybe. Mean, I think That's why people have a problem with charismatic stuff is because you say things that are advantageous to you <laughs> and don't take them to discernment. I just claim that I feel this way. So clearly <laughs> that's God's will as well. That's what the Holy Spirit's clearly. speaking. You know. That was a segue. Our topic today is um, kind of sharing our experiences with the charismatic different groups and prayer ministries that we've been to been a part of right so we were we were talking about maybe each of us sharing a horror story and a glory story <laughs> of a, a negative experience we had with basically charismatic ministry being done poorly in our experience and then actually a positive experience a glory story of anointed ministries where the lord's really moved and it's been handled well so, do you want to start us off, Jill? Do you have a, a do you want to start us off with your horror story? I guess I have a lot of them, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it's very common. Um, some I feel like maybe I, for prudence' sake, shouldn't share because people might be listening, um, and I don't want to hurt people's feelings. But I think the I did a little bit of research going into today and kind of get it trying to like look up online on the Google the Google to see what other people like why people were anti-charismatic or, or whatnot and the thing that I kept hearing a lot from quote-unquote traditional people is that charismatic spirituality is very emotional like it's loud music and kind of exploits people's emotions and doesn't leave space for silence mm-hmm it's very and, common. Yeah, which is, is really common. And I think that looking at it objectively and reading these comments, I even have stories like in my own experience with charismatic prayer groups and conferences and stuff like that where that's been the case. If you guys have been following our podcast, you know that Mary and I both went to Franciscan uh, University, which... Is kind of a melting pot. I think people do affiliate it a little bit more with the charismatic, but there are a lot of traditional people there as well. Mm -hmm. But every month or I think it's once a month, they used to have what's called FOPS, Festivals of Praise. Yes. And I remember going to them and because I really, really enjoyed praise and worship, but I remember going to festivals of praise and being so like overstimulated almost mm -hmm. with the worship and they'd open up and it was it was great we had a worship leader and they would play great songs and then finally like you were getting to a point where you can really enter into the lord's presence and have meaningful prayer with worship as soon as we got to that point, like somebody's banging on the drums and everything is just lost. <laughs> and I, I realized that I would leave and I would leave way more spiritually exhausted than spiritually filled. And there was this like restlessness because I would I would want an ache for that silence or that like mm. meditative time. But I still loved praise and worship and being able to do prayer ministry afterwards. And I love those things. And another part of that too was that sometimes I felt like they would have people from the assembly, let's call it, um, walk up to the front of the stage and share like different words of knowledge or prophecies or, or whatever. Yes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I would see that and, or listen to it and it just didn't feel right. And you would just, and I would just think there's something so vague about it and it's a nice sentiment, but it doesn't really build up the kingdom or speak anything to us. Right. And so I, I those experiences like caused a little bit of a lack of comfort or, you know, I, I felt like things weren't taken seriously or weren't mature or not discerned properly. Right. And mm -hmm. it caused a little bit of a lack of comfort and a little bit of a distrust in 
the people leading the um the events mm-hmm. no totally and i think that's common i guess my my horror story um i've i have a few but i mean i i think actually you had an experience jill that i remember you telling me the story with when you were kind of going off of what you said about words there was that person who ran up to you at a Bethel event with a priest that you were with and they said they had a word for that priest and it was something like oh i'm receiving that the lord's telling you that he wants you to leave the priesthood <laughs> right like wasn't yeah. that you know and some things like like we have experiences like that where it's like oh, that's clearly not the You're lord like, i don't think that that's <laughs> probably not jesus <laughs> that's telling you yeah. that probably you know and they claim to be speaking for the lord yep i my i guess my i have a funny horror story so I think there's another tendency in some charismatic groups, some of the older ones that might have been part of more of the original renewal, where there's kind of, I guess the best way I can put it, I don't want to be too negative, um, is that it can there's a tendency to be a little cheesy, right? Or mm. I, I'm not quite sure how else to put it. Cheesy is the best word I can I can come up with at the moment. But I went to this one prayer meeting with Primarily, I mean, it was people who were more elderly, a part of the original renewal. And the, our auxiliary bishop was even at this event. It was, and it was a small event. And I was definitely the youngest person in the room at like 30, you know. And what ended up happening was there was this older man who was leading the worship. And everybody stands up in this room. And his lead in prayer to worship, I kid you not, was... All right, so this is what he says. He goes, all right, so we keep seeing on the TV how all these people want to kill all these babies, but you know what? That's okay, because he's got the whole world in his hands. And then he goes into, he's got the whole world in his hands. And everybody is like in it. Like even I looked over at Bishop, Bishop's hands were in the air. They were like in it and I'm trying to hold my stuff together and be serious <laughs> in worship uh. and I'm like man like that's not that didn't lead me into deep prayer that didn't lead me into an encounter with Jesus it was hilarious and ridiculous at the same time and and I still see the Lord show up in those things which is interesting like I, I still will feel his presence and stuff but man you are not reaching people and leading them into this profound encounter with the Lord, <laughs> with, with mm. the lead in like that, you know? And so the, I've seen that tendency towards a little bit of cheesiness. And and even on the other side, I guess just a short, another tidbit of a horror story. I think there's also, and I wouldn't be surprised if people listening have had similar experiences to this too, sadly, but sometimes there's an arrogance with gifts and I, I know of a friend who, before his ordination, a parishioner at his parish asked him if he had the gift of tongues. And he said no, and he wasn't charismatic at the time. And they responded by saying, oh, well, you can't be a good priest if you don't have the gift of tongues. Mm. And I'm like, that's just vicious. Like, that's just so arrogant. But there, there are people that have had experiences with people who kind of lord their gifts over other people and are condescending, mm -hmm. and this is the only way. And um, yeah, I, I don't think that that experience is uncommon. Sadly, you know. Yeah, I think that the other common experience, like negative experience that people have, and and I've had it as well. And I think it's sometimes because I go to these things like incognito. People don't actually know that I have a little bit of a charismatic spirituality mm -hmm. that those people can be really really pushy so you mm. go like to a prayer meeting and they're like forcibly praying over you or like yes. trying to tell you like you need deliverance and like all this stuff and it's actually like one really pushy like a huge turnoff and not pastoral at all like mm -hmm. it's not actually taking into account like yeah, they, they may need deliverance or some kind of deliverance, but perhaps that's the most pastoral way to approach that is not to shove it in their face, even publicly, like say that in front of people, 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> and almost that lack of discernment mm-hmm. and prudence and pastoral. Yeah, being pastoral is, I think, almost the root sometimes of a lot of people's horror stories when it comes to charismatic yeah, prayer meetings or experiences, encounters with a charismatic renewal. Mm-hmm. No, totally. Okay, so we've talked about a lot of pretty pretty depressing and upsetting horror <laughs> stories and experiences that we've had. And Jill and I have come out of it still charismatic and contemplative in our spirituality. <laughs> but So why? Wow. So let's talk about some positive ones. So, so Jill, what would you say in terms of positive experiences that you've had with charismatic spirituality or prayer groups? So I grew up going with my parents to, um, to charismatic conferences and prayer ministries and stuff. And I, I didn't like really have a, I wasn't really against it, but I just wasn't really ever, I don't know, felt connected with it mm-hmm. until I went to Austria to study abroad and we had festivals of praise there as well. I remember signing up to do prayer ministry and we did like a training day for the team, the FOP team. And it was just like an evening session and there was really simple worship and kind of a structure laid out for all of us. A structure of accountability and discernment. And there was just like a a, a space for real like contemplative prayer to happen Mm -hmm. as well as simple praise and worship that was just like a guitar playing and and that was and prayer ministry wasn't like this big fuss to do it was done and it approached really reverently and there's a lot of responsibility put on us as as prayer ministers to look after the people that were coming to us for prayer. And it was just such a widely different perspective to the charismatic spirituality than I had experienced before. And it was actually really attractive and kind of helped break down those walls of and those kind of misconceptions that I had made, saying like, oh, wow, this can be done differently. It doesn't actually have to be this way. And so I know that's not like necessarily like a, a miracle necessarily that happened or anything like that, which have all kind of been experiences that I've had as well. But I think that for me was like a huge turning point in my perception of um, the charismatic. Right. It sounds like there was just kind of an order there and a reverence for it versus just kind of this ambiguous do what feels like it's the Holy Spirit, <laughs> you know, do what you want, yeah. share how you feel, um, which is awesome, you know, to, to have, and there are ministries out there that structure things well. Um, so, so my, my glory story, my positive, I'm actually going to share a story of an experience I had as a youth minister just out of college. And so I had two teens that I decided Uh, We kind of decided together they were considering going to Franciscan University of Stephenville as well, but they weren't sure. And so I took them on a college visit onto campus. We took them. I was there too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Jill, you were there. So anyway, (laughs) but yes, so we took them. And so it was a six-hour drive from New York to Steubenville. And one of our teens, um, we took a guy and a girl, the one teen... He was very anti anything charismatic or even just praise and worship. And for the whole ride, I want to say, Jill, maybe I'm not remembering that correctly, but I feel like the vast majority of that ride, he was kind of ragging on praise and worship and charismatic spirituality and saying how it's not really genuine and he doesn't like it and he had this aversion to it and it's all only about the Latin mass, all this different stuff. And what he didn't realize was the first event that I was taking where we were taking them to when we would get on campus was actually a prayer meeting on campus. And I knew that this particular group 
actually had great discernment and ordered their meetings well. And let's face it, we were taking them there so we could go to the prayer meeting. Yeah, it was a surprise <laughs> intervention. So anyway, <laughs> a surprise charismatic intervention. So basically, we get there at like seven o'clock at night. We get into one of the dorms where they're having in one of the chapels a prayer meeting and we get there just in time. So and they structured it beautifully. So it started out with music and which this teen was like kind of like, OK, you know, and they incorporated something that you don't see in a lot of prayer meetings, I guess, or in a lot of charismatic groups. But the music led into a time of silence in a time of listening for the Lord. And then following that, they moved into prayer ministry. And what ended up happening was one of the, the priests at this meeting, he was a brother actually at the time, now is an ordained priest, but he received, he, he believed he received a, received a word for this particular teen. And he had never met him before in his life. And he goes and he, after that time of silence, when they move into the prayer ministry, he delivers the word that he believed he was receiving for this teen. And this teen just started bawling. just And he just, he felt the Lord. This priest was saying things that there's no way that he could have known <laughs> these things about this kid, you know. And so he had this profound encounter with someone genuinely moving in a gift. And and I, I really believe that that time of silence following the worship allowed that brother at the time, that friar, to receive accurately what the Lord had for my teen because it was ordered well. And what ended up happening was that teen just kind of experienced this huge conversion experience. And for the entire six hour drive back onto campus, all he wanted to do was pray in tongues because he came into the gift of tongues. This kid who was making fun of praise and worship and bashing any form of music or spirituality that was charismatic for six hours there wanted to pray in tongues for the full six hours back because he had such a positive experience of a properly ordered and discerned ministry. And I'll never, I'll never forget that. And he had gone in where he never had experiences really, I think, of charismatic spirituality, but his parents had. And so he was going in with this lens of whatever ne negative experiences his parents had had. And it mm. transformed his, his spiritual life and opened him up to the Lord in a way that he was not open before because it was done mm. well. It was well-ordered and well-discerned. So it's possible, people. <laughs> it's totally possible. It is. And so we're here to kind of encourage you that if you've had a horror story, there is, that is not the only way. Yeah. You know, that is not the only way. And we're sorry. On behalf of those experiences in the church, we are sorry. We apologize on behalf of the church for those experiences. You know? I think that I would even, and probably uh, I think that you too, Mary, like we're quick to put a label on things, right? You get labeled as traditional or charismatic or, or whatnot, and people will label us however they feel. I don't even really know how to label myself, but the the thing that I love about that experience that I had going and seeing the charismatic done differently is that there's this huge part of my spiritual life that I would consider very contemplative. Yes. And that silence and, and learning from discerning people within the charismatic renewal that the charismatic should lead to a time of contemplation and to a contemplative um, spirituality. Mm -hmm. And I'd never known that. I'd never experienced that. I'd never known that like, oh, wow, when you do praise and worship, it should lead you someplace. Mm -hmm. And it's not just something that we do to do, that there is a purpose behind that. And you can tell when, when a worship leader, when you go someplace and a worship leader has that direction that they want to take the assembly. Yes. And that it's about the it's about his presence. It's about him, not about an emotional experience, even though he can use that. 
right? Emotions aren't bad. So we, we wanted to talk about how you can discern for yourself what ministries are approaching things in a healthy way or a way that you can actually implement once COVID is over and we can actually meet again because it will end. <laughs> we will get to encounter other human beings again. This is not forever. And when those meetings start up or when those worship events start up again, you can be more discerning going in or maybe even more open. Or when if you're someone who runs a ministry, these are some principles and guiding principles that you can follow that are super simple, not complicated, and, and very much common sense, I think. And biblical, obviously biblical, rooted in, in scripture and the church's tradition. When we were writing down our notes for the show, one of the things uh, I had said that I thought was a good gauge of discernment was going to a prayer meeting or a charismatic event and seeing if, if it's chaotic or if there's like a peace about it. Mm. And then we were like looking today in scriptures and guess what we find? <laughs> the Bible says that. God already said that. He already said that. I know. He stole my line, man. He stole your line, Jill. You totally had it first. We just found it later. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but what yeah. the heck? So if you look in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, it actually says, For God is not a God of chaos, but of peace. Yes. And that was kind of the main principle we wanted to drive home before we even found that verse. <laughs> and it's that chapter, Paul actually is addressing worship and how to order it and how to order charismatic worship when you're moving in gifts. So it's, it pertains specifically, it's already what? in scripture. He already has the solution to these things in scripture, ready for you to go if you take use of it. If you just make use of what Paul's already said, boom. Mic drop. So... We could just walk away from this podcast and you could just study chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians and you'd probably be good. But we're going to we're going to take you by the hand and help you through yes. here. Yeah, like Jill was saying, chaos versus peace. It's it's really simple. Is it is there order to what's going on or is it just absolute chaos? And there there are some services that I think both Jill and I have been to where it has been chaos and most of the time I, yeah. yeah, and people think it's of God, and it's really people are in their flesh and they're super emotional, and and when when you witness those things, you can kind of understand how people might have an aversion to what they think charismatic spirituality is, because there's that tendency. Let's maybe talk about what we mean by chaos. Mm, that's good. So when I talk about chaos within a let's say a prayer meeting, right? A charismatic prayer meeting. There's no levels of discernment where, you know, let's say somebody receives a word, they take it to people who are organizing the event and they discern whether that's something to share with the assembly or something for themselves. Mm -hmm. And, and when I experience that kind of chaos, it's like, people just kind of sharing whatever and you kind of realize like none of these things are connected right. some of these things just don't feel like that's like something that the lord would say mm -hmm. right and people are being pushy and that's kind of i guess my experience of of chaos right and this is something that guys this this problem is not something new in the church. So if you even look at Paul's letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians, he's actually addressing disorderly and chaotic worship is actually what mm. he's specifically writing to address. So, and it's interesting because I think there's another extreme that we find in ministry and in the church where because there can be chaos and it can be poorly handled. Some people then just write off everything and they say, well, no, mm. those gifts just don't happen. They don't operate. You can't do it at all. And that's interesting because Paul didn't do that. The church in Corinth was very disordered <laughs> and, and, and just kind of, if you read Corinthians and some of the things he corrects, it's, it's kind of like when you read a, a warning label 
on like I don't know a device and it's like you know like a hair dryer like don't plug this in and throw it in the bathtub you know that somebody did that you know that there was there was somebody that thought that that would be a good idea and so when you're reading Corinthians it's actually kind of hysterical because you're like wow people were totally doing this <laughs> they thought it was okay and Paul's correcting it but he actually has the balance where he could have said, you're abusing the gifts and you are having disordered worship and you need to just stop. He could have said that, but that's not what he says. He actually goes on to say, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And then he goes on to actually express that he desires that everyone would speak in tongues. And then he encourages everyone even furthermore in how to properly order when somebody receives a word or a prophecy or when somebody does get a, a tongue and how to do the interpretation and how some people need to be, everyone needs to be silent while someone else is speaking. And he just gives these principles of, he doesn't throw away the baby with the bathwater. He gives the proper, I guess, protocol in terms of how mm. to order that worship. So it's not chaotic and it's peaceful <laughs> and it's discerned. And, and even, uh, I think, actually, Jill, you you mentioned, because we've been talking about Francis Chan. We are hardcore fangirling Francis Chan. He's just amazing. But Yeah, I'm sorry you guys keep having to listen to us talk about how awesome Francis Chan he's is. He's just fantastic. But, so, Jill, what, what was that quote? Or he, he, met, he addressed it so well. Yeah, so he's talking about in Acts, where, he, where the author of Acts is sharing how the Thessalonians were taking scriptures and reading it for themselves and diving into to that and examining them, right? And so he's like, test everything, take everything to discernment. And what he said about the charismatic was actually really eye-opening and a great way to put it. He says um, that within charismatic circles that we we need more communal accountability and biblical integrity. Mm. And those are really big things that sometimes lack in the charismatic world. Right. And that's in Catholic charismatic circles, obviously in Protestant charismatic circles as well. That communal accountability that we're talking about, you know, receiving a word and having it, you know, discerned or even within the gifts like something i was thinking about like i see so many like charismatic prayer groups that just tell people who have no knowledge of how word of knowledge works or how healing works or anything and then just tell them and give them permission to use those gifts mm -hmm. without properly discerning if they have the gift in the first place right or teaching them about it Right. So then you just end up with everybody just doing everything, mm -hmm. which is is quite unhealthy. And then he's so he says community accountability in those situations and then also biblical integrity. So rooting everything that we're doing in in scripture and for us also, like I would say traditional integrity as well, like the tradition of the church. What does the church teach? So I would add that obviously he doesn't have that perspective because he's Protestant. Right. But I would add biblical and like catechetical integrity. Mm. Yeah, I think those, I just love those two terms of communal accountability and biblical integrity. And it's, I think having that, those people, it, it's kind of like, I mean, having healthy, good friends in your life, right? That you mm. trust to call you out <laughs> when you're off and, and being receptive to that. And then also, and, and people with, that good discernment and then also having like you were saying not just in terms of biblical integrity but also in terms of the richness of the church's tradition and being orthodox yep. right so like if somebody's saying um i don't know i just received from the lord that and this is just a crazy hypothetical i'm coming up with on the moment that the eucharist isn't really jesus you can easily discern <laughs> That that is not a word from the Lord because it lacks mm. biblical integrity and even doctrinal integrity. And usually when when you move into dysfunction, you're lacking at least one of those 
or maybe it's yep. total chaos and you're lacking both. <laughs> so yeah, the interesting about a part about that quote when he says that the charismatic circles need to have communal accountability and biblical integrity. He's actually saying it as a correction because he goes on to say maybe if we incorporated and had better communal accountability and biblical integrity traditionalists may be less likely to write us off. Absolutely. When you encounter, and maybe someone who's had of that mindset is even listening right now. Most people who have an aversion to the charismatic, it's, they didn't wake up one day and just hate charismatic spirituality. They had a painful experience. They had some, like an experience of charismatic spirituality that was not stewarded properly. And it didn't have the communal accountability. It didn't have biblical integrity, wasn't in line with church teaching, or um, was just plain chaotic, <laughs> you know. And even that that verse that we brought up in Thessalonians, Francis Chan talks about that as well, where it says, what is it? Um, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophesying, but test everything. And so when we have a bad experience, there's a tendency and it's really easy to move into throwing out the baby with the bathwater and just saying all of it is bad. Just all of it's yeah, bad. And to get jaded and and rightfully so. Like some people like with the experiences that they've had, I don't blame them. Yeah, absolutely. You can totally understand what the experiences that especially Jill and I, we've had so many experiences. And you can totally understand why it'd be so easy to become negative, cynical, critical, and just throw out the baby with the bathwater. But scripture actually says, test everything. And part of testing everything is actually when somebody claims that they have a gift, don't just write it off because you had a bad experience once. Like mm. you're actually called to, to test that, which means that there should be an openness to the possibility that God is actually working in that person in that way. Mm. Because you're, you're kind yeah. of rejecting the Lord in a way and his action if you just assume I had a bad experience, therefore I'm just going to write everything off as just a fluke and, and I'm not going to be even open to it. That's, that's a wounded mentality. Yep. But, I mean, you also have permission to be, like, picky as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, uh, personally for me, like, I am very discerning with who I have do prayer ministry with me and like pray over me. Right. Yes. <laughs> you know, and that's, and that's okay. That's not wrong. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes there are people that when I see them at prayer, at prayer meetings and see how they operate in their gifts, you know, and I don't have a gift of discernment or anything, so I can't actually discern mm -hmm. like for sure whether they have a gift or not. But it is kind of a little bit of a turnoff, and I think that something's, you know, wrong. And so it makes me less open to asking them to pray over me, for sure. Right, right. And it's it's something where that's not you, – you can be prudent and still be open. You don't have yep. to receive every single word that's given to you as the Lord, yep. just that you don't um, – I'm trying to think how to put it, but you just don't have to receive everything. You should, you should actually in scripture, the Lord tells us, Paul tells us test everything. And that, that means, yep. and it's a challenge and, and virtue, virtue is in the middle, right? So mm. you, you want to have that balance of which it's hard to have that balance of openness and also to have that, that discernment of, but this might not be the Lord and I need to take that to him and I need to be formed in my own way, you know, according to the precepts of the church of, okay, what are, what are discernment principles that the church gives me that I can look at with this and see if it is the Lord or not, you know? Yep. I think that, and I mean, on the flip side, like we're talking a lot about going to things, right? But for somebody listening that might be running a prayer group or, you know, a charismatic ministry, like you have to go into it with the mentality of setting someone up for a positive experience and for success. Yes. And so that means like when I do prayer ministry and I'm praying over someone, 
And I feel very, very strongly like the Lord is asking me to share something with them. I usually preface it by saying, hey, I really feel strongly that the Lord is putting it on my heart to tell you this, but please take it to your own prayer. And if it doesn't make sense, feel free to ignore it. Yes. Because people, people end up getting hurt. Yeah. Because they're not prudent in that. Like, especially I think, I think it's, it happens with lay people as well, but especially when it's a priest speaking and saying, I'm receiving this from the Lord, people kind of will just blindly like accept it. It's actually remarkable and a little bit dangerous, just how receptive people, some people can be, which can be a positive, but also if, if that person's giving you a directive and you're not personally taking the responsibility that you have to discern that for yourself, it can wind up bad. I've seen it wind up bad. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it wind up bad with some people in our lives that were prayed over and somebody told them, the Lord is telling me you're supposed to be a priest. Mm-hmm. And that has actually probably done more damage than good. Yeah. So unless like you have something, I think, discerned, a gift discerned, and somebody else is receiving the same thing with a discerned gift as well. Like I would be really hesitant to speak on behalf of the Lord or to not give a disclaimer and say, Hey, pray about this. Mm -hmm. Like for, for me, I'm in youth ministry and it's actually scary to me sometimes how much my teens, if I say something, they're like, all right. (laughs) And I'm like, guys (laughs) question me, challenge me, you know, don't just take everything Mm. I say as gospel truth. And like, look it up in the catechism. Because I can look be in, wrong. Yeah, like, look it up in the catechism, look it up in scripture. And I, I need to constantly, like, remind them because they'll just soak it up. And so when I've received words, I've had to, like, I always preface it with, you know, I feel like the Lord is moving in this way, but it is your responsibility to discern if it's really him and if this is what he's speaking to you. And you need to yep. always do that. And then I move into sharing what I think I'm receiving But there's always that preface, especially when it's people who are younger and more impressionable. You have to be very, very careful. Very careful. Yep. If you're planning prayer meetings and and want to move in those gifts, we're not like obviously trying to to stifle them. Mm -hmm. But be aware that there might be some people coming to your prayer meeting that may not like have that understanding Mm -hmm. that, you know, and there there isn't this unspoken like understanding or rule that you're supposed to take everything to discernment and think that everybody is there for the first time and they don't know how any of this works yeah and and catechize educate them going in on some things they Mm. might typically see in a charismatic meeting and explain what they are like to explain those things some of what people might experience in praise and worship or what a word of knowledge is or how how tongues operate if you know these things and we can even dive into in further episodes, some of these gifts and stuff, but just yeah, generals yeah. That's, of things. That's in the queue for us to talk about those things. Exactly. So we'll go deeper, but it's just good to kind of have this short because you don't want to go into this huge exegesis of like all the gifts of the spirit, but just kind of like a disclaimer of like, okay, here's some things you might see. Here's what they are. And here's how you discern them. And if, and if mm. they happen, great. And if they don't, great. You know? Yeah. Make the disclaimer that like for things like resting in the spirit or even people praying in tongues mm-hmm. to let people know like this is something that you have a choice to allow the Lord to move in that way. Like it's not when somebody's praying in tongues that they're being possessed by the Holy Spirit, you know? <laughs> yeah, that they have no control. They don't have control or that if they're resting in the spirit that God has just knocked them out. Yeah. You know, that they, they can choose to participate in that. It, it, it all, I feel like it continually boils down to that initial principle of God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of peace. You could argue to, like, look at Pentecost. That was a confusing <laughs> moment for the crowd of 3,000, you know, in that instance. But there was order that followed it and there was understanding still. So there, there can be things that are kind of supernatural that happen that you're not used to or familiar with, 
but does it does it lead to pay to to peace and understanding or does it lead to chaos ultimately what's the yeah. fruit of it yeah and it might be like peace and whatnot for you they're organizing it you have that hive being like oh that was awesome but if everybody else that was going feels like uh, I don't know that was kind of weird mm -hmm. then I think you really need to take that to discernment right Anyways, um, so question for you, Mary. What is something that you look for in a healthy, charismatic community? I look for, I think, the balance of there being a freedom, right, with worship, like an openness to God moving, and also the discernment, that there's, that there's mm -hmm. teams that actually know how to discern and that there is some sort of a structure. And you don't have mm -hmm. to be super legalistic about the structure of the ministry, but allows for that time of silence and receiving and even has mm. dis discernment teams that you can go to if you believe you're receiving a word that they discern before they share with anyone. Or, uh, or actually one thing that I've seen that's been great in ministries too is when they, when they open up the floor for people sharing what they think they're receiving, they clarify only people that are in this ministry that we know have operated in these gifts that we've verified they have these gifts you have the freedom to speak out yeah there's some kind of con quality almost control there because i mean the reality is when you open it up to the floor for anybody to share a word of knowledge and you're not discerning who has gifts or stewarding those things mm -hmm. you're also opening it up don't think that people might not show up to your prayer group to cause chaos and to say things that are purposely not true to sow those seeds because mm -hmm. the reality is we have i mean we have people out there that are like working on behalf of the enemy yeah and there are people that can that can go and say things that seem nice that will end up planting seeds of division and confusion and right yeah, negative things. And so when we when you have a, a structure like that, you're actually protecting the people that are being put into your care when they come to your prayer group. Right. Especially when you're doing good ministry, the enemy sends people. He does mm. to disrupt what you're doing. And so you don't want to you want to be careful who you give a microphone to or you yeah. know, or how you manage those circumstances. Who you give a platform. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Guard and protect your ministry, you know, like that is a huge responsibility that we've given that we've been given whenever we do these things. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I look for is that approach to discernment and that structure and also specifically a structure with prayer ministry. Mm. So when they open up for prayer ministry, is it kind of a free for all or is there a structure? Is there a reverence that they have for that yeah how are they praying over people with good space and like even physical boundaries or are they you know like pushing people over and mm -hmm. you know that kind of stuff even how the prayer ministers operate in gifts right i had one experience where i was on a prayer team and I got paired up with someone and the whole time that we're praying over people one after the other, this, this person I was praying with was taking a long time praying with people and they would have vision for each person that we were praying over. Mm. And every time like we would pray over a new person, like it was basically like kind of the same vision just a little bit of tweaks mm. is that a lord maybe not mm -hmm. you know and and sometimes it's that lack of of training right right no absolutely and in some of the following episodes of this podcast we actually want to kind of walk you through some of what like the good experiences in the the formation that we had in terms of how ministries were run and some of the spiritualities within the charismatic that we were exposed to we're really excited to actually go through and give you 
a deeper understanding and start start kind of getting into the weeds because we're giving you generals now, but kind of starting with who the Holy Spirit is and how you can discern him and what what the church and scripture teaches on those things and then in that spirituality and kind of get more in depth and unpack that. So we're really excited for that next episode as well and to start sharing with you some of some of the things that actually like for me this was this this spirituality of the quote unquote anointing um or the presence of the holy spirit is what actually it was presented in a way that was both discerned and intellectual and also experiential and for me that's what opened me up to actually just being open to charismatic spirituality and falling in love with it really so we're excited for those things but i know that and we also want to pray with you yes so um i'm gonna hand it over to jill and jill you can lead the prayer for for our listeners right now so So you guys know how this works. Um, You can hit pause and get into a place where, or wait, um, to be in a place where you can um, pray and receive and all those wonderful, beautiful things. So let us start in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for those listening. I pray for myself and for Mary. I pray that you bless us, Lord. That you fill us with the drop of your precious blood. You may fill us from the crown of our heads to the soles of our feet. And Lord, by the Holy Spirit, by the sword of the Spirit, cut away anything that is not of you. Lord, I pray that you fill us with your holy anointing. That you give our hearts a new openness to this spirituality, to relationship and a spirituality with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for your healing to come upon us, to fill us, to heal those any of those bad experiences that we've had. Lord, to make our hearts an open slate. I pray that each of us would have a positive encounter with what a relationship that is intimate and thriving with the Holy Spirit looks like. I pray for an impartation of discernment, Lord, that we may be able to discern what is of you, wisdom to to discern what is of the flesh and even of the enemy, Lord. And a desire to well up inside of us to test everything, Lord. I pray for an outpouring of the desire to dive into scripture, to dive into the beauty and the richness of our church teaching and our tradition. To intimately be known and to come to know you, Lord, in new ways. And Lord, I pray that those listening that have been operating gifts that might not have had them discerned, Lord, I pray that you present an opportunity for them to to receive confirmation of, of their gifts and a prudence to know how to use them for the building of your kingdom. lastly, Lord, I just ask for a prayer of protection against the attacks of the enemy. 
that the enemy would have no foothold in our hearts, in our ministries. That Mother Mary would wrap us in your mantle of love and protection. And Lord, we give you all the glory. As we pray, all glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. You're welcome. I feel so at peace right now. <laughs> it was great. No chaos. No chaos here. Chaos, I send you back downstairs. Only peace. Only peace allowed here. That's awesome. All right. So now the last part of our podcast, obviously, we are going to give you this week's challenge. So um, I would have loved to give you something practical that you could do in terms of going out to prayer groups or in your own ministries or at your churches, but we're not meeting right now because obviously COVID. But our challenge to you this week, we talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and how Paul gives us this solution of what ordered worship looks like. So our challenge to you this week is actually to take some time in prayer and read actually that, that section, basically, of 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14. Because it gives you this comprehensive look at, at, at basically what the church teaches in regards to gifts and also how love is the most important thing, right? Charity and, and, and living in love. But Paul goes on to continue to not throw out the baby with the bathwater and to say to continually and earnestly seek after the gifts. And so I, I want my desire for you is to actually prayerfully go through those chapters and actually go in with this perspective and understanding that the church in Corinth that Paul is addressing was having disorderly worship and he could have just told them to stop altogether and he doesn't. He gives them these practical principles because he actually believes that they're moving in gifts of prophecy, the gift of tongues, um, words, etc. Right? And he actually gives them a framework of how to approach it. And so I, we just encourage you to actually take some time to go through that section of that letter and to recognize that even Paul in scripture does not throw out the baby with the bathwater. He, he elevates both having order and moving in the gifts, not being afraid of the Holy Spirit or charismatic spirituality, but also having that discernment. Mm -hmm. So that's our challenge to you this week. Yeah, and I would just add that if you are someone who has a prayer group and has a ministry or is involved in a ministry, to do a little bit of a self-assessment against those directives that Paul gives and to say, am, you know, am I following these in our ministry? Right. And then if you're not, to learn and to say, how can we kind of start to bring these things into play? Quarantine is a great time. Like we, I've, I mean, I've done a lot of self-assessment in our ministry over quarantine and this gives you the ability to have that time to be able to say like, how do we make it better? And we should always be wanting to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, do that as well. If you're just have that perspective, if you're someone who is involved in or a leadership with a prayer ministry. Right. Sweet. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. We're so glad to have you. Thanks. One exciting thing that we have to share is that we have launched a Facebook page. Yeah. So go and like us at Don't Shove the Dove. Yeah, if you just search that or yeah, Facebook.com slash Don't Shove the Dove. Go it's check it out. Follow it's us. really cool. Mm -hmm. Follow us. Share it. Share the awesomeness of this podcast i hope i hope you think it's awesome that's why you're still listening <laughs> and and also like recognize this is if if it's if you know people who have struggled with the, the holy spirit or charismatic spirituality 
um, or who want to know more of a Catholic perspective on it. Maybe they're Protestant and, you know, they just don't know the church's stance and stuff. This is a great resource for them. It's a Catholic resource. So share it, share it with people because we want, we want to, to be a, a, a Catholic voice, you know, um, teaching on the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. And pray for us as we continue to discern, like, the direction that the Lord is calling us within this podcast. Exactly. So, yeah. Keep us in your prayers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. We love you guys. Awesome. Praying for you. We love you. Bye.